0: Hello and welcome back once again to our Daily Devotion Podcast. Today I want to talk about living out our convictions. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. We'll read from verse 23 to 32. Matthew 21, verse 23 to 32. Let us pray. Father, once again we ask that you speak your truths to us. That hearing your truth and receiving your truth, we may come to you and allow you to set us free to truly live. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Matthew 21 verse 23 to 32 Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, For they all hold that John was a bad prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir he did not go? Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. The Pharisees had one big problem. They were tied up, they were virtually bound and chained by what they thought people thought of them, by the fear of what people thought of them. While Jesus was teaching at the temple courts, he was publicly teaching, the chief priests and the elders came to him to ask, what's your authority? For teaching, for healing, for doing all this. They were not asking him because they genuinely wanted to know, but rather they wanted to embarrass him, to shame him publicly. If they really wanted to know, they would have waited for him to finish his teaching and pulled him aside and had a discussion and asked objectively, what really is your authority? Where do you come from? But instead, they interrupted him while he was teaching, and publicly they challenged him and asked, What's your authority? Clearly, all they wanted to do was to embarrass him. But Jesus exposed what was in their hearts. He asked them, This baptism of John's, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? Basically, did it come from God? Or was it made up from his own mind? Was he an opportunist who came to manipulate people and get famous? where did it come from now any one would have thought that any honest person would have stopped to evaluate what the facts what the evidence produced they would have looked at John's teaching was he teaching it right was he teaching lies was it teaching things that were godly and righteous or things that were ungodly and unrighteous they would have then placed before them all his teaching and evaluated whether he taught God's ways or the ways of the world or the ways of the evil one. They would have looked at his baptism, his miracles. And then they would have looked at his lifestyle. Was he enriching himself? Um, Did he make money out of people? Did he manipulate people? And finally, when he died, didn't this man die for his convictions? Didn't he maintain that Herod was sinning when he uh, took his sister-in-law to bed. He died for his convictions. Now laying down all the evidence, an honest inquirer would have concluded very quickly that John the Baptist clearly came from God because he spoke righteously. He lived righteously and he died for his convictions. He was not one who was manipulating people to get famous or popular or to earn money from them. He's taught God's ways. But the Pharisees never even got anywhere near that consideration, much less to make a decision and then change their minds. They were so clogged up, so stuck in other considerations. The first consideration then was would they lose face in front of everyone if they said, John the Baptist, Had authority from God, then Jesus would have retorted, Then why don't you listen to him when he says that I have authority from God? And then they would have lost the argument with Jesus and they would have lost face in front of the crowd. But if they said he is of man, then Jesus would have, then the people would have been upset because everyone, the crowd, all saw John the Baptist and rightly so, that he was a prophet from God. The problem with the Pharisees was that they couldn't even start thinking objectively and honestly. They couldn't even evaluate what was true and what was untrue, because what was weighed most heavily on their minds was what people thought of them. And that got them really stuck. But I wonder if that is a problem with us as well. How often we don't even start thinking of what is objective, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. Instead, we th- a first thought, and often the all-consuming thought, is what will be people's reaction? What will others think of me? What will the person wh- whom I make gestures to say to me or consider me? And we are stopped from thinking honestly, and we stopped from thinking or living honestly according to our convictions because of this overriding, overarching consideration of what people think of us. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? And often it is the truth. God may be, or your heart may be, for example, your heart may be telling you to be reconciled with someone whom you used to love, someone who you, you're close to, but over disagreements you have parted, and then you feel like it is time now to make amends, it is time now to be reconciled, but there are lots and lots of fears in your mind. What if that person rebuffs me? What if that person turns away or scolds me and takes an hour just to lecture me on how wrong i've been when all that i've done was perhaps i was the victim willing now to be reconciled what if i'm not received with grace what if others looking at what i'm doing start accusing me of being wrong or thinking that i have been the wrongdoer a lot of these thoughts cloud our minds and we are not even able to stop to think we were friends we did have a relationship can we not now be friends again? Can we not extend love to each other? Sometimes it's with those closest to us, like our husband or our wife, just saying that you're sorry or saying that I love you. Often it's with our children or our parents, just that courage to tell our aged parents, thank you for your love for me. It's so hard because we wonder what they will think of us, what their reaction will be what others will think of us. I remember early in my ministry, about more than 20 years ago, maybe about 25 years ago, I had a great grievance against my then-president. I really disliked him. I really thought badly of him, and I showed in all my responses to him, all my actions towards him. And One day at a conference, as our president was preaching, it was there was a break and so he stepped down from the podium and went off to have a little a drink. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, Ming Li now, go say sorry. I was flabbergasted, it was like what? Say sorry to him? Of course I knew that there were so many things I had to say sorry to him about. I mean, that was without question. I had despised him, I had bad-mouthed him, I had acted disrespectfully to him. That wasn't even the question. The question was, man, you want me to lose face? Go up to him now in the middle of a conference, a five-minute break, and say to him, I'm sorry, you must be kidding, and I stood my ground. And the Holy Spirit just kept bugging me and said Ming now, now, go say sorry. It was at that time when God had done a lot of work in my life had broken me down, had spoken to me, had poured his love into my heart and it was not the right time for me then to to, to, to oppose the Holy Spirit. And so finally, I, with a very soft heart, I went to the President and I said Sir, I'm very sorry for all that I've done against you. That day we were reconciled From then, we became friends with deep respect for each other. It was a very hard thing to do because just wondering what he would say to me, whether he would lecture me and say, you are just the worst pastor ever or something like that. And there were so many things that held me back. But I'm glad that that day I listened to my heart, I listened to the Holy Spirit and responded. But there are so many things that we really would love to do deep in our hearts, but we don't even get to think about them because we're afraid of what reactions will be, what people will think of us. It could also be coming to respond joyfully to God. Sometimes we come to worship very state. We would love to raise our hands, we would love to just fall on our knees at worship. But we dare not because we we say, my goodness, what if people think of us? But perhaps we shouldn't, we don't need to think so much of what people think of you. And then listen to what's in our hearts and ask ourselves, what does my heart say to me? What does God, Holy Spirit say to me? Even when leading worship, sometimes we just want to lead with all that we have we just want to sing and praise God with all that we have and we hold back because we're afraid that the congregation will think this is a crazy guy unhinged, untethered emotions but you know it's a wonderful thing when you have untethered emotions to God and you just respond to God I remember again, once again, early in my ministry, I was um, first posting at Barker Road. And for Holy Week, we had invited an evangelist to preach. And on Monday, Thursday, the evangelist gave an altar call. But this altar call wasn't about giving your life to serve God more zealously or anything. The altar call was simply for those who had gone far from God, who strayed from God and wanted to come back to God. See, at that time, I had really gone far from God. I was like, um, having burnout, wasn't talking to God. In fact, I was, there was so much anger in me about God over many things. And at that moment, as the altar call was issued, there was a huge tug in my heart. said, Mingli, go forward. You do want to be reconciled with God. You do want to come back to God, don't you? And... in me i so wanted it but can you imagine a pastor coming to the front at an altar call uh, for those who repent of their sins and those who want to come back to god because they've strayed so far from god i mean what sort of reaction do you think i would have gotten from my church members as they stared on in horror this pastor who has been pastoring us for the past few years has been far from god i mean what on earth Moreover, no one else came. I mean, everyone was embarrassed to come forward at an altar call <laughs> to say, sorry God, I've been far from you. I mean, which church member would want to admit before all the other church members that they were far from God and now they wanted to be reconciled with God? So the pew was empty, but there I was with that tugging, mainly, don't you want to be reconciled with God? And finally I went. I, was, I think I was the only one. I didn't dare look just went down to the front and sobbing away when the preacher came and prayed for me. It was a major breakthrough for me because I realised how much more beneficial, how much more I gained when I was able to listen to what my heart called me out to do, what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do, and when I stopped being terrified of what people thought of me because there was a greater longing. For God than my fear of others. Wonder if sometimes you feel that way too, that you, you just want to come to God, you just want to express your love for God and it matters far less what people think of you. I remember listening to a story about a prisoner called Paul. It was his first time at chapel when I was in charge of that chapel. and was his first appearance there. Paul was one of the most vicious, toughest gang fighters there was, and he was completely devoid of emotion except anger and violence. Even when his mother passed away when he was in prison, he did not shed a tear. And when he was led in, in handcuffs, in shackles to the funeral, he did not shed a tear. The only emotion he had was anger. And one day he had a big fight in the prison and he was put in the punishment cell. The punishment cell is is an isolation cell where you're kept away from everyone, always in darkness, just fed meals and drinks. But other than that, you're kept in darkness. And he was kept there for 10 days, which was a terrible thing. It was huge. But there in the punishment cell, the Holy Spirit ministered to him. It came in a huge way and touched his heart, broke his heart. One of the things that happened when the Holy Spirit touched him was he, he was given what he calls the gift of tears. When he was out of punishment cell and he went back to the normal cell with all his other gangster friends, one thing had changed. He was so emotional about God that God just had to touch one button, like give him a thought about God, give him a thought about Jesus, give him a thought about love, and he would just break down and cry. Not just tear, but he would be a blubbering idiot, crying and shaking and crying in front of everyone. Man, did he become a laughing stock among his gangster friends. Because while he was talking to them, suddenly the Holy Spirit just touched a little bit of him, and he would break down and start crying and trembling and crying. They thought this guy was a fool. This guy was one of the toughest gang fighters. And there he was shaking in front of them and crying. And he was actually sharing that testimony in front of us at the chapel. It was quite a large group, about 30 of us. And just with every word, he was just shaking and crying and shaking and crying. But he said that was the best gift that God ever gave him because it had set him free to know how he really felt. You know, it's so important that we allow God to set us free from our fear of public opinion, or our fear of public reaction or reaction from others, and be set free to live according to our convictions, live by our hearts. It doesn't mean then that we do impetuous things, but at least when we are set free from the fear of others, we can evaluate things objectively and honestly. We can look at truth and respond appropriately to truth. And that will affect every bit of what we do in your business as you look at it and you ask yourself, is this really honest? Is this dishonest? As you look at, as a student, as you look at your conduct, things that you do, and then you ask, am I doing it because I love God? Or am I just keeping silent and hiding away because I'm afraid of what people say to me? Do I dare live according to my convictions? Do I dare live according to what my heart tells you, tells me? Jesus' last words to the Pharisees was a huge indictment to them. He said in verse 32, John came to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You saw all these things, he said to the Pharisees. These things were clear before your eyes. You know the truth and yet you would not repent because your hearts are hardened because you fear and you, the people and you love the adulation of the people and that has caught you in their grips. Would we want to be set free from that, to live according to our convictions, to evaluate things not out of fear of others, out of a love for God, out of a sense of righteousness and compassion and goodness? Let us pray. Father, so often we are bound by our fear of people, our love of their praise. Now decisions are so often clouded, so often governed by what we think others will say, how others will think of us. But Father, that is slavery, that is real enslavement. I don't want to live that way, I don't want to suppress my thoughts, my convictions of what is honest and what is godly and what is good. I don't want to suppress my longing to be reconciled with others. I don't want to suppress my emotions towards you. I want to live honestly, I want to live freely. I want to live compassionately. God, I ask, we ask that you give us that courage. You give us those breakthroughs, you will cause the longing in our hearts to live right and live for you to be greater than our fear of what others think. That no longer will our lives be chained, fettered by these fears, but that we will truly be set free to live. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, you have a good day and God bless you. Goodbye.